Bam 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 bam. Bada bada bam 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 bam. Simon Kennedy Ellis might have forgotten about me. If he's forgotten about me. I'll just watch the telly. Simon Kennedy Ellis, he's not phoning me up. Oh, he is actually. So, take that back. This is a podcast in which two friends talk about the pleasures, absurdities, and imperfections of being human. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. It did strike me um, today that uh, it's really, Midlifing is, it's really poorly named, isn't it? Tell me more. Well, we don't really talk about midlife. It's just that we come from the perspective of people in the middle of their lives. I mean, would you like to talk about dicky hips and gallbladders? I'm happy to go there. I can't believe we haven't talked about gallbladders yet. Uh, I think we might have done because I did have a gallbladder issue at one point. Oh, we did too. We did. What about erectile dysfunction? That's that's slap bang in the middle of our uh, demographic. <laughs> well, maybe not all of them. <laughs> Although, well, uh, what an extraordinary maybe. Not. Uh, maybe uh, oh, I'm not going to say that. Um, uh, <laughs> I've got a feeling this might get cut because I'm not sure if I, <laughs> how I feel about raising or not erectile dysfunction. Not for <laughs> not not because of shame, um, but because. Oh, God, there's no way to finish the sentence. Did I, did I tell you that uh, I was um, in a car with um, a certain fellow whose name, I'm going to name him, David Corbett. Fellow listeners will know him as uh, at Corbettron. And um, he was driving, he was driving, and I was sitting next to him, and he said that, you know that um, one in two men um, suffer from erectile dysfunction? And he looks at me... <laughs> and he looks at himself as it were and he goes it's not me clearly his understanding of erectile dysfunction was far better than his understanding of statistics Um, (laughs) 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 and i just you know i said uh let's talk about sample sizes here um corbatron and uh but every now and again he just uh he he just he'll just drop into a text message one and two or fifty (laughs) percent (laughs) <laughs> and I know what he's referring to. Oh, have you got something you were thinking you were talking about today? I was going to say, should we go on strike? Why is that? Uh, just because I want to show solidarity with everybody who is currently on strike and stick it to the fucking man. Oh. Because I am not okay with Rishi fucking Sunak and his band of fucking monkeys. As in, not my circus, not my monkeys, yeah. I... I, I... I've just realised that uh, I forgot to tell you something. That, um, What's that? Wow. last weekend I decided I would stop looking at the news. So I don't have any idea what you're talking about. I know, I know there's strike action going on, but I don't know about the specifics uh, of what you're talking about. Okay, well, um, 
lots of uh, industries in the. Oh wow! Where you, to you get, start? Uh, each week is just going to be you catching me up on news. Anyway, let's move on. I've got nothing that I want to talk about. Is what I wanted to say. What do you want to bring to the table, sir? This week, I um, I was uh, unfaithful again. I. Uh, You've been on another podcast. You've yes. been on another podcast. Mm-hmm. Twice. <laughs> so good he said it twice. Um, I am. Uh, it's because I think the first time I said it, I was too far away from the microphone. Oh, you're, and you're going to cut one of them out. Yeah, absolutely. And then all of this. <laughs> you have been... Tell me more. This is exciting. Well, I mean, it was one of, the, it was a, one of those weird things when it was about my expertise. Pomodoro timers. <laughs> And I, <laughs> and I, um, oh, no, I can't I, swear because then I'm going to tick, tick the explicit box when I upload it to Buzzsprout. Oh, I've already sworn anyway, so it's fine. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Fuck it. So uh, what was the name of the podcast? Come on, let's plug it. Well, uh, it's a podcast called Res Dance, and it's run by a person called Gemma Harmon. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I think I'm like the... I'm like the 28th person from CDARE. CDARE is the name of the institute that I organize, um, that I don't organize, that I work for. And I think I'm like last. I, I think I might be like third to last. I'm going to tease the people who come after me. Don't you worry about that. But um, <laughs> there are people that I supervise. There are people that are, you know, clearly Gemma has no respect for hierarchies, none whatsoever. And um, I like the sound of this Gemma. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. I, I did enjoy talking about something that I feel like I have some kind of understanding of. But anyway, that's not, but the thing that, the reason I'm telling you that is because, and this is, it's, I'm going to circle around eventually, um, is that the first question was, you know, how did you get to be doing what you're doing? And I realized, and I told a very abbreviated version of how I ended up being a dancer. I think you know the story, which is uh, I was a scientist and I was at a conference, a sports medicine conference in Melbourne, Australia. And I'd gone out with friends and we'd drunk too much. We'd um, actually had drunk way too much. And I thought that rather than going to the conference the next day, I would go and look at the Victorian College of the Arts, the conservatoire in Melbourne. And I walked in there and... um, this uh, young woman said to me, oh, are you here to audition? And uh, I went, no, no. And I turned around and walked out, and my heart started pounding. And I went, something has just been presented to me, and my response is to walk away from it. And um, so I turned back around and said, actually, I am. So I borrowed a, bear, bear, a pair of ballet pumps, and I, my uh, feet bled. Um, but I, the reason I'm saying that... And so it was that my life was on a very particular trajectory, and that trajectory was um, in um, quantitative science, uh, Newtonian mechanics, uh, and it jagged. And it's like I I had uh, an entirely different life started. And I guess my question is, is there a moment or what moment in your life where you feel like you've split or you've diver- your, the path you're on has diverged? Oh, wow. Um, hmm. First of all, that is beautiful, Simon. That is a beautiful, beautiful story. But you know the story, right? Yeah, I do know. Yeah, Yeah. but but we've definitely never rehearsed it in this in this place on this podcast. So it's just it's it's lovely to be reminded of it. Um, And I think we've talked a lot about bravery uh, recently. 
or courage or, or or taking chances or doing things at moments where we you know we're not expecting to do this i think we, we've spoken about it particularly with lil's move to rome we've talked about it in relationship to my mum and dad's move to portugal um at a significant point you know late stage in their life without any infrastructure yeah to to support them and and that kind of sense of that, that sort of leaping into a void um i just think that's that's just lovely i love being reminded that i know you because of a woman saying to you are you here to audition well and the the backstory of course is that um that woman uh, that woman uh, she and i dated the following year <laughs> <laughs> Actually, for longer than the following year, she was the she was the woman I was seeing before I met Lil. Or in fact, there might have been a little bit of overlap. <laughs> is she the one that your dad spoke to? <laughs> she is. That's exactly the oh, one. <laughs> my gosh. Let's say for oh, the, for that's... listeners, there is an episode. You'll have to look it up. Um, yeah, we're not going to do that for you. Come on. Okay, look it up. Yeah. To answer your question, I okay. I'm like a leaf in the wind. Mm. And I don't mean that in a necessarily in a good way. Um, although I think that there is a level of um, having relinquished myself to a higher power a long time ago. Is that Bob? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, I remember when I was... Very, very young. I wanted to be a butcher. Because my dad was a butcher. Mm. And I liked my dad. I still like my dad. Um, then, after wanting to be a butcher, I wanted to be an astronaut. But I realized quite quickly I didn't want to be an astronaut. I actually wanted to be Luke Skywalker. Mm, very different things. Although he did do a bit very, of space travel. Very, very different. Yeah. But he's not an astronaut. He is a farm boy. Which part <laughs> of being Luke Skywalker did you want to be? I think I wanted the adventure. I think I wanted the lightsaber, bigness. Yeah, the just the the bigness of the worlds. Mm. So this is um, you know this is nineteen seventy eight. Say so you are uh, yeah I would, six yeah, I would have seven been like years old. Nineteen seventy eight. I would have been five. Yeah, seventy seven. It yeah. came out. So yeah, I mean, or in the yeah, years I mean, after. It didn't that. hit. It didn't hit the UK until seventy eight. So I was five <laughs> when I saw it because that that. Listeners who are of a certain age, as in younger than us, you might find it difficult to believe that people waited for years for films to be released in different markets. <laughs> That's a thing that happened. And also, films would stay in the cinema for, ooh, months and months and months and mm -hmm. months. I had to wait. I had to wait at least a few weeks before not having to see Tom Cruise Maverick or Top Gun Maverick this year and for wait for it for some illegal stream online. I had to wait weeks. <laughs> I remember being irritated just earlier this week that somebody hadn't immediately uploaded something I wanted to watch to an illegal <laughs> downloading site. I was like, how lazy are these people? <laughs> you should uh, you should write a letter. I, I was trying to, but I didn't know who to address it to. I, I dear, dear Dark Web Bot. <laughs> dear Russian Mafia. I think, I think we should get Corbatron to write a letter because uh, I think... He, I think, um, I think he's... <laughs> I can't finish the sentence. Okay. Um, hmm. Yeah. So after the okay. point of wanting to be Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker, I think not long after, I worked out that perhaps being an actor would allow me to be 
Luke Skywalker. So. That is, that's some smart thinking. And a fireman. Yeah. And a butcher. Yeah, I could, I could, yeah, exactly. I could be everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from that point on, I wanted to be an actor. Um, one of the things that I have, I'm aware of now is that being uh, the product of two working class northern British parents born during the war, they didn't know how to um, resource that desire. You mean your desire? My desire. Yeah, yeah. They didn't know how to resource yeah. what I wanted to do because yeah. they 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 were from a generation and from a class for whom a job was something that you got. And you stuck it. And, and you did it. And if you were lucky, you might enjoy it. And if you were really lucky, you would be good at it. So my mum left school at... 14 or 15 with no qualifications and went to work in a biscuit factory um and she was really good at her job she would (laughs) this is i find this hilarious she stood in between conveyor belts and she could pack with with each hand so she was effectively packing biscuit boxes on both sides oh that that is very cool so she was like she was like a robot basically she was like a robot, but she was so productive. She got she did the the work of two people. Did she get paid for the work of two people? No, but she did get paid for the work of one and a half. Mm. So she was on. So at a point in time when my dad was earning ten pounds a week, she was earning eight pounds a week. So if you wow. think about gender pay gap in the nineteen sixties, she was earning a shit ton of money. I'm sure everybody is fascinated by my biography. But we are kind of plumbing those depths. So they couldn't. The context... Yeah, they couldn't. They didn't know how to. Mm-hmm. Because this is this is still tangential. Because my question, of course, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I'm and I'm getting. To I that, know you're getting there. I know you're getting there. In a way, I think I think this is. It, 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 hmm. I can't answer the question without giving this context. That I thought I was moving towards something that I really wanted to do, but I. I didn't know how to do it. So what I didn't do is I didn't do all the things that I probably would advise somebody, somebody with kids who now. wanted to go into. Yeah, I would be like, okay, well, you're gonna you're gonna start with like Saturday clubs. You're probably gonna sign up for some stagecoach or Pauline Quirk shit. You know, not great, but it's just gonna give you a sense of confidence and a sense of being able to mess around in that yeah. kind of a way. And then, then you probably send them off to Eton. Join a, uh, well, you know. I know the advice I would give now yeah. w- would be about about um, because I went away to university to do a degree in drama, having n- having failed my audition for RADA, which is hilarious. I only I, I never knew that you auditioned well, for RADA. I auditioned for RADA. The only this is the I Royal Academy did. for the Dramatic, the dramatic Arts. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And is, it the, I only... is it the big one, or is there, or is there another one? Like, uh, is that the one that... It, at the time, it would have been one of the big ones. Central, the Central... Uh, School of the Speech Royal and Central Drama. The Royal Central School of Speech and Drama yeah. was probably... 
it's so hilarious now because I, I've been the, their external examiner uh, before uh, since then, and I've, <laughs> I've I've sat on validation panels for them. So it's like, wow. If you'd said that to my 18-year-old self, I would have gone, you are shitting me. That is amazing. But uh, it's really not. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, so I, I auditioned, I would have been 17, and I, I was entirely unprepared. What do you remember about the audition? Wanting to vomit desperately. Was I it really, it being was it terrifying? The, it was, oh, it was, it was, it was debilitating debilitatingly terrifying because oh, it was like Lee. nothing I'd ever experienced before oh. because I'd never so experienced So I thought you might like Billy Elliot the fuck out of it, but no, nah. clearly not. No, 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 no. So I went, I went along <clears throat> to the... So RADA, I, they might still do this, but at the time they had regional auditions and you pay at the time 25 quid to just go along wow. and be told no by somebody. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, a fucking cow. scam. Oh, for sure. But it, they rented rehearsal rooms in the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester, and even that was just like, I don't think I'd been in a theatre at that point in my life. Oh. And did they tell you on the spot, or did you get a letter in the mail a few weeks later got or something? A, got, a, got a letter in the mail a few weeks later. Were you, were, you, had you, were you holding out hope at that point, or was it, was it not surprising? Hmm. I think was a part a 17, of you. Yeah, I think in a seventeen-year-old body that doesn't understand anything, of course, I was holding out hope. Oh. You know, looking back, Christ, what were you fucking thinking, you idiot? Um, well, not an idiot, but no, but you know what I mean. And no, I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm doing that thing where I'm not being kind to myself. Yeah, but also, like, but being also, kind to my 17 but, but also, what you're describing is quite extraordinary in the sense that, um, as you're saying, you had none of the context that that someone yeah. who had, you know, uh, acting parents or a teacher at a high, at a primary school yeah. that understood these things would they would be yeah. been basically indoctrinated into that kind Absolutely. of way of thinking and understanding of what that process was and what was going on and. And I went to a comprehensive school in the northwest of England that didn't offer drama as a as a, a qualification, so there was no drama teacher for me to have a conversation with. And I was, again, mm. for the second time today, riven with shame, so I wouldn't did, have talked to anybody about it anyway. Did I tell you that I just turned up at the uh, Victorian College of the Arts for an audition and just got in like that? You might have mentioned it. <laughs> but I think what that a dick. gives Sorry, you a... what a dick. That no, was a, that was... no. I was just, it was just a cheap gag. Yeah, it's okay. It, 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 I was 25 years old. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? Because you're asking about pathways, and, and at 25, that's like you were seven, eight years older than I was when I was auditioning exactly. that one audition. Um, mm. And it was so um, it was so alien and, and so debilitatingly oh. horrifying that I didn't do it again, and I, I applied for university, but I still wanted to go and do drama. And my mum, because what? No, 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 no. I'm just no, no. I'm I'm there. I'm ready. Yeah, so I, I still want to do that, but but my mum was was adamant that I needed to have something to fall back on because that was what she understood that you you needed to have strings to your bow. So she made me apply for um, joint honours courses. Yeah. So, so you know, I, drama and English or drama uh, yeah, and yeah. history or whatever. It, it was drama and history. Yeah. Um, That's why you so know I, how many wives Henry VIII had <laughs> or that kind of... 
yeah, well, that was, yeah, that was because of my A-levels, because I did uh, absolutism and enlightened absolutism uh, was, was the focus of my second year, which is what I remember the most. I can't remember what I did in the first year of history. But anyway. Um, Enli- then... Enlightened absolutism. That's the best kind. Can we save um, that for next week? I'll, I, I could prepare a presentation. Do you need a slide deck? That would be great. We could stick the slide deck up on Instagram. We'll do it. That'd be fantastic. I spent three years on a drama degree, acting in as much as I possibly could. I ran the theatre club. I did all of the the things that theatre kids do. I was in musicals. I was. I worked in a local. I, I worked um, a local youth, youth action project and ran after school clubs for disadvantaged kids. I did all the things that you are supposed to do. What are you supposed um, to do in order to do what though? In in order to like get as much experience as possible, so that I could have the best. We didn't call it this at the time, but the best portfolio career possible, so I could have an education yep. arm to my practice. Yep. And you had I a, could. Yep. I had a making practice. I had a performance practice. So I did all of those sorts of things. Yep. Yep. You ticked finished, all the boxes. Ticked all the boxes. I finished my degree. I auditioned for a theatre and education company. First, uh, first audition I did after graduation. I got the job, and. I maybe got a week into the tour and went, oh, I hate this. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> I am not, I am not built to do this. <laughs> I found what? it. Gone, yeah. Go ask the question. <laughs> no, well, what, what was it? Oh, are you going to tell me the answer right now? What was, yeah, what was it about? It that... And I realised quite quickly that I, my career was not going to be full of rich intellectual exchanges with Jonathan Miller. It was going to be, more often than not, uh, being directed by people in theatre and education because it's a good gig. It pays well, equity minimum, uh, regular work. You're, you know, you, you've, you've got Touring an entire a school term. Exactly. You, you've you're two shows a day. You're, doing, you, you're getting lots of experience. Yeah. So that was the first inkling I had. And then I was in the middle of the tour. I was in a school in Benwell in Newcastle. It was a huge school hall, maybe about 300 kids in front of me. And there was a woman who I was performing with. It was a two-hander, and she was talking to me, and I was talking back to her. We were doing our work. And I realized that I was trying to work out how much money I had left for the rest of the week, and should I stop off at Safeway on the way home and buy some more groceries. And that's the point that I went, I don't think that this is the job for me. You know, when I was, oh, how old was I? I must have been, uh, let's say it was uh, just graduated. I must have just finished uh, university. So 22 and I was coaching tennis full time before trying to make some money before going overseas. And um, when you're coaching tennis, it's uh, so just 13 hours a day, like hour after hour like yeah. no breaks it was really uh, pretty full on and um especially saturdays 6 a.m to 7 p.m and um 
I was doing a bit of drama. I was actually in, in a play. I was doing some Shakespeare. I was playing um, uh, Oberon in A Midsummer Night's Dream. How canst thou thus for shame to take a glance at my credit with a part of knowing I know thy love for Theseus? Anyway, and... Um, <laughs> Beautifully done. And um, I, I'm sitting there feeding balls to these uh, this person. And I did two things were going on. One was I was practicing lines in my head while going uh, a little bit lower. You no, know, just a bit in front. You're a little bit late on that one, right? And so still practicing lines in my head. But the other thing that I used to do, and I think this is quite common for tennis coaches, is you would, because there's balls everywhere, right? You would spend your other time basically trying to hit a ball on the court, like feed the ball over and then hit it onto a ball so it would ricochet. And it kept happening. And I remember one of my clients going, oh, that happens a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So so you've, you're with me in that sense of not necessarily being in, not being present. No, I was, yes. I wasn't thinking about Sainsbury's or whatever it was, uh, but uh, yes, exactly. Safeway, exactly. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> so this is a very long ramble that I don't know how I'm going to edit into a into any form of coherence. But to say, I guess that at that point, any track that I was on, and I wasn't even really on a track because I hadn't been particularly well prepared for it. Also, I have to be very clear, my university did a piss poor job of, of preparing me for a world of work. Um, that, that just wasn't a discussion. It wasn't a conversation at all. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the way that it is now, which is probably swung for too far in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, some conversation about, oh, I don't know, audition strategies might have not been a bad idea. I <laughs> then just went, well, this isn't this isn't what I want to do, so what do I want to do? Um, I did another tour, this time with Bob. Um, uh, and Bob came to, well, actually Bob didn't come to a similar realization. Bob never wanted to be an actor in the first place, but she auditioned and got the role. So she was like, "Eh, well, go on, we'll do it for a little while. See what happens. Um, she always wanted to do a PhD. Mm. Um, so you, you, are you suggesting that your your moment of, um, divergence or bifurcation was meeting Bob? Yeah, I think almost certainly. What what's that Yiddish phrase? Um man plans and god laughs. Oh yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? Mm. And that's I guess that's that 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 beautiful um chaos of thinking that your life is going in a way that yeah and i you know i see it and you know i see it in my my niece and nephew that you know and it's beautiful as well that um it's always like wanting to get that somehow the idea that a levels matter and and of course they do and yet they really don't you know and it's really hard to sort of some have sort of some sense of perspective on that it's not possible to have some sort of perspective of that there's no no being told that that's for sure um, no, it's no. just something that you understand that you come to understand um, but but everything doesn't matter when you come to understand it because, because every disappointment 
every disappointment is keenly felt. You know, um, I I know you you've talked on the podcast about not making professorship that the first the first time round, and you <laughs> I haven't had a second just so clear I haven't had a second time round yet, but it's quite mm-hmm. possible I won't make it then either. But we'll get to that yeah. at some stage. <laughs> but but that sense that while you've talked about it with openness and a a relative level of levity. Um, there's no pretense that it wasn't disappointing oh, and important. Oh, and to you hurtful. Because and you hurtful. went through, yeah, yeah, and and in in six months' time, the hurt will be less. Not because time has passed, or not just because time has passed, but because other things will have taken over that will be more significant. And I'll look back on that moment and go, "Thank God I wasn't made a professor then, because um, here I am in my bakery." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I would have been. Yeah. It would have been much harder for me to leave if I'd been a professor. 